Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Freaks podcast. This week, we are finishing up our discussion from last week. This is part two of our wide receiver draft preview with myself and my colleague, Daniel Jombash. Last week, if you didn't listen, please go back and listen. Great, great talk, great advice. Our personal rankings of the top 10 wide receivers this year. This week, we're finishing up that discussion. We're going to discuss our players ranked 11 through 20. We're going to go over some of our sleeper and bust pick for the year. And we're going to finish up with Rookie Corner, where we discuss uh, our thoughts on some of the major rookies this year in the wide receiver position in fantasy football for 2020. I do want to go ahead and warn you that while we were in the middle of taping the pod, Daniel's house where we were taping was struck by uh, no less than a severe thunderstorm almost I would categorize as a typhoon so at a certain point you will be able to hear um, some rain sounds in the back obviously we try to edit that down try and diminish that sound it should not impair you in any way from being able to hear mine and Daniel's voice but you will be able to hear you know the pitter patter of the rain and actually at a certain point becomes very soothing you may enjoy it but I am aware that that sounds there and, and there's really no way at this point uh, to fully edit that sound out. So I do ask for a little bit of grace and understanding with that. Mother Nature would not really cooperate. Um, our schedules were are both really busy right now. We couldn't really stop recording and then come back and do it at a later date and still get this draft preview guide out in time for you all to have listen and prepare prior to your fantasy football drafts in the coming weeks. So I uh, really hope you enjoy the talk, and we are now going to launch straight back into part two of the Fantasy Football Freaks Wide Receiver Draft Guide. Who's next up for you? Who's next in your rankings, and where are they at? Look, I understand that Matt is trying to win you over with his flash and his pizzazz, and his Juju Smith-Schuster at number seven. He's A.J. Brown at number ten. These are wild picks. You don't need wild picks. You need consistency. You need somebody who is going to come out there and be solid for you because I think that that's the best you can expect from the wide receivers this year because I think they're all trash. All right, that's the that's the point. From here on out, it is all a garbage shoot and you are picking between who you think is gonna be solid enough for you for the most part of the year. So that's why I've got my next guy. He's never- wait, wait, real quick. Let, let's let's dive into that or drill down right. on that just for a quick second. So are you saying that you would much rather take RB? Like, so if we're in, in a place in a draft and you're yeah. having to pick between either most likely RB2 or wide receiver two, assuming that you didn't get one of the, the top tight ends and you also haven't taken like a top five quarterback at this uh, point, you are saying you overwhelmingly would, would take someone off your running back list and avoid a lot of the guys we're about to discuss as your wide receiver two. I, I think at this point, this – for my, my top nine, I feel – okay about if you if you're taking them as your number one wide receiver especially where the value you can get them in i feel great about it from everybody down to amari cooper from this point on it is there are too many good wide receivers and and i say it's a garbage shoot but i mean a garbage shoot in terms of fantasy production so when you're looking at this i think that the way you've got to look at it is who is going to provide you consistent value over the course of the season there are going to be plenty of people who are going to be providing you with Good weeks and great weeks, but are they going to be consistent for you? And I think at this point in time, the offenses in the NFL are too stacked. I think the offenses in the NFL are going to be spread around too much. 
And there's gonna be a lot of people that at this point in time are gonna have a lot of bad weeks for you. And there are gonna be a lot of people that we're gonna talk about from here on out. They're gonna get you weeks with less than five points. And this is where I think I'm looking for running backs for high-end value where I'm taking shots in the dark. Maybe A.J. Brown is that shot in the dark because I think that everybody here blends together and it's who you like more. I think once we go past number 10 for me on my wide receivers, this is where you've gotta figure out Who's that person that you believe in the most? Because I think it's, I think they're all the same. I don't think that anybody stands out more than the rest at this point. So my number 10. Of the trash guys, to be clear. Of the trash guys, to be clear. Adam Thielen. I like Adam Thielen. He, look, his first seven weeks last year, he, he averaged a good amount of points. For his first seven weeks last year, before the injury, he's good and he's good enough to be tied for eighth among wide receivers if you don't include Antonio Brown's one game but no Stefan Diggs makes him more of a priority if he can stay healthy and that is a big if and that is a massive consideration here if he can stay healthy he's a top 10 wide receiver for me yeah I mean we we've already discussed my top 11 guys so the next guy on my rankings is actually number 12 and it, it is Adam Thielen we're, we're pretty we're pretty much in agreement on this one uh Thielen was wide receiver seven in 2018 and he did fall mainly due to injury because he only played 10 games last year down to wide receiver 56 in 2019 uh totally agree with you obviously with the departure of Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson may or may not have coronavirus right now and his early season development is is getting uh delayed uh, a little bit unnecessarily uh, Adam Thielen's the man he's the clear number one wide receiver in that passing offense uh, Thielen has been a possession magnet uh, in the previous several years from 2016 to 2018 he had 69 91 nice. and 113 receptions and I went back and looked at his injury history and prior to last year he never missed a game. So, yes, his injuries were super annoying. Uh, he's probably someone that a lot of you are groaning about because you drafted him and had pretty high expectations, and he burned you. That's the nature of football. It's a contact sport. People get hurt. People outside of Eli Manning get, get injured at some point in their career and have a little spell where they're out. Adam Thielen prior to last year had never missed a game, so I fully expect him to be out there in 2020 to be healthy and to remain healthy. And, yeah, I've got him I've got him at 12 for me. I, I actually – I don't disagree with where you've characterized him as far as the tier of guys we're in right now, but I think I kind of want to give him his own tier because I, I, I trust him because I, I don't have injury concerns about him. Uh, he's the clear number one on that team. It's going to be a decent offense with Cousins and Dalvin Cook. I think Irv Smith Jr. is going to really, really surprise some people at tight end this year. I just I have a lot of trust in Adam Thielen. I, I would feel good about having Adam Thielen uh, on my team and throwing him out there, especially if he's my wide receiver too. If he's my wide receiver one, I'm not I'm not feeling too great about that because if you could somehow pair Michael Thomas with Adam Thielen. I think you're gonna and you got a running back in between or two running backs in between that point. You're gonna be feeling great about your season if you could somehow maneuver this to get him to be your number two wide receiver. I think you're going to feel really great about what you're about to do for that season. I'd almost want to pair him with with Tyreek Hill because then you've got one guy who's going to go off and single-handedly win you a week, but then you've got steady Eddie Adam Thielen who's going to catch like at least five balls minimum and probably closer to eight like every single week for you. Yeah. 
He's just he's going to go out there. Uh, I don't know how many weeks he's he's going to blow up. He's he's him and Tyreek Hill are, are yin and yang. And yeah, I, I just I hadn't really given it a lot of thought, but just just uh, kind of riffing off of of your idea that for me that seems like a really interesting pairing putting those two guys together. Obviously, that would really make a running back position really tough. Obviously, if, if your first two picks are those two wide receivers, but, but I, I think in most drafts that you're not going to do that. I think that Adam Thielen is a guy that you're going to be able to get late in drafts. I think you're going to get him as a late third rounder, early fourth fourth rounder if you could somehow get a high running back or if you're using your first round pick on a running back you got a decent wide receiver and your second round pick and then another running back as your third round pick and then you could get Adam Thielen I think that's the way I'm looking at it but he's not bad and if he can stay healthy he is a good top 10 wide receiver for you no Stefan Diggs means that he's going to be targeted more than anybody else I think that the one concern is that this offense last year inexplicably turned into a running offense and I don't know that it was super effective. I, I think it was fine. I think that Dalvin Cook was good. I don't know that it helped the team consistently. But how do you feel about Dal- Dalvin Cook with everything happening with his contract, potential contract holdout? Like, are, are you believing that he's going to hold out? I, didn't he show up to practice? He did show up. Yeah, he, re- he ultimately reported. He didn't really have a choice. I mean, there, there was a lot of posturing. But if you really dive into the details of the CBA, the fines that he stood to accrue. And the, the huge deal is it used to be you would hold out. And then when you came back, the team would waive the fines. The teams can't waive the fines anymore. They literally have to enforce the fines, which becomes substantial. So uh, it was a lot of posturing posturing on his part. He did ultimately report. The huge thing with, with him, as we discussed in, in the running back episode, is health. Uh, but assuming Dalvin Cook is back and, and plays the majority of the season, you're right. They they do have much more of a running back approach. Obviously, they did lose their offensive coordinator. Stefanski is now the head coach in Cleveland. So with a new offensive coordinator, they could change their scheme a little bit. My concern is that Stephon Diggs was the guy who took the top off the defense. And they don't really project to have a a field uh, stretcher anymore. And so I do worry a little bit if the defenses are just going to sit on all these short routes that Adam Thielen is so good at doing. Now, he's still excellent at his craft, and I still think even if the defense is sitting on all of the short and mid-range routes because they don't fear anyone going over the top and running by him for a touchdown, I do still think he'll be be very effective. But that is a concern I've seen others raise, and I do think that it's valid. We don't really know. Justin Jefferson played all the positions at LSU. He did have a a pretty pretty respectable 40 time at the combine. So a lot of people have felt like Justin Jefferson is going to be plugged in for Stefan Diggs and he's going to run some, some deeper routes, but we just don't know if, if he's going to prove to be an effective deep threat at the NFL level. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Adam Thielen and I, I like how this sets up well for him. And I think if Jefferson can get back and if he is healthy, I think that he's going to open up that offense a little bit for him. And I think that Adam Thielen's just going to go about his business. I think Adam Thielen's going to do what he's been doing when healthy. And he's a guy I believe in. And and I've and look, I if you drafted him last year and you're disappointed with the way that last year happened for you, I'm with you. I drafted him too. I drafted him in my, my big money league. And it was it was hard, and I felt really good about myself while I drafted him. And, and the reason why I mentioned Michael Thomas last year, or I mean uh, previously, is because I had Michael Thomas and Adam Thielen last year, and I felt great about myself. And it was a borderline disaster when you got to championship week because Michael Thomas did not show up for championship week. But 
I, I like Adam Thielen. I, I, I think that he's going to be good. Yeah, I, th- I think we've we've put a uh, pretty substantial and persuasive case forward for Mr. Thielen. Moving on, which to me, we've talked about my top 12 guys, so we're down to 13 for me. This is a guy that a lot of places have higher. Um, I think we're both going to be in agreement about a lot of the negatives uh, that this guy's carrying into 2020. But for number 13, the, the free fall is going to finally stop. I've got Mr. Mike Evans at 13. No, my, my free fall hasn't stopped. I've got him at 15th, but... Uh, yeah. you go ahead and tell me what you think. Yeah, he was wide receiver six in 2018. He finished last year as wide receiver eight in 2019. But as we discussed earlier when we were when we were getting into the Chris Godwin discussion, Mike Evans is one of the elite and best top level deep threats in the NFL and has been his entire career. That's his skill set. That's what he does best. And I don't think there's anyone out there, even the biggest Tom Brady fan, if they're being honest with you. It's going to sit here and tell you that Tom Brady can still throw the deep ball like he used to. I mean, the numbers back it up. He averaged 6.62 yards per throw last year, which is not great. Uh, and his arm strength as he ages continues to deteriorate, which, again, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Please don't come after me. I, I have all the respect in the world for Tom Brady and all the winning that he's done his whole career. But we're at the very end. As much as he wants to fight it, as much as he wants to keep playing as long as he can, his arm strength keeps getting worse and worse. And and that's going to really, for me, severely affect Mike Evans' performance. There is no way when you put them together that you can argue that Tom Brady throws the deep ball like Jameis Winston threw the deep ball. Also, another huge red flag for me, is Chris Godwin, when you look at his statistical profile, gets a ton of yak. Just Chris Godwin is really good at yards after the catch. Mike Evans is not. Mike Evans has a really, really good average yards uh, per reception, uh, catches a lot of deep balls, gets a lot of yards if he catches multiple receptions because of that very large yards per catch uh, average. But he doesn't break a lot of tackles. He doesn't get a lot of yards after the catch. So if you're telling me that all of a sudden Mike Evans can't run the long routes that he's excellent at, he's going to have to break routes off and, and run new route trees and settle for passes that are, are, are not as far down the field. And then once he catches those passes, uh, it's not really his skill set to break them off and, and get additional yardage. It's a recipe for a disaster for me, Daniel. I, I, I'm with you. I, that's the reason why I have him so low. I've got him at 15th. I don't feel good about this. And I don't know how you can feel good about this. I don't believe in the Tampa Bay offense. I don't believe that Tom Brady is going to be able to get Mike Evans the ball where it needs to be. I think if you're drafting Mike Evans, you need to be hoping that he gets traded. And I actually think that there's a high likelihood he will he would get traded at some point during the season. I don't I don't see how he can stay in that offense as this decoy because I don't see any way that Tom Brady is going to be able to get him the ball. So I'm looking at the stats, and I had this up from last year. He scored 199 points last year. His three highest games, Matt, he scored 199 points. His three highest games accounted for how many of those 199 points? Like 38%. It accounted for 107 of the 199 points. He had a week of 41 points, of 31 points, and of 37 points. He got you 108 points or 7 points, or how am I, I can't do math. He got you all of that in three weeks. And then everything else 
is nothing. It is not what you want it to be. And he did that with Jameis. Jameis, who is throwing every pass in the world, most of them were picks. Some of them were, I guess, the equal amount of touchdowns and picks because it was an insane season last year. The craziest thing that you've ever seen before, 30 and 30. But he launched a lot of jump balls. But he launched a lot of jump balls. And Tom Brady is not going to do that next year. I think if you're if you're drafting Mike Evans, I think you are hoping for a trade or a Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin injury. And even if you're hoping for a Chris Godwin injury, I don't think Mike Evans is going to be that guy. I actually think it's going to be Gronk. I think they're still going to target short yardage. So unless things are going to change dramatically, I'm not I'm not in on Mike Evans. He makes me so nervous. Yeah, I agree. We're in agreement with the negativity on Mike Evans. I will say the one little silver lining or the one positive thing I have, because I think a lot of people would say, well, if, if you feel so negatively about him, why is he even in your top 20 at all? And the reason why I still have him at 13 for me is that while Ronald Jones did show a little bit of improvement at the end of last year, their running game still has a lot of question marks in Tampa Bay. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't feel good uh, about him or the rookie, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, and so I, they're still going to have to throw the ball. I mean, there's a lot of options that they're going to throw the ball. They got Gronkowski, they got Howard, they got Godwin, they've got Evans. Uh, but the Bucs are still going to have to throw the ball. So I still think based on volume uh, – Mike Evans is still going to put forth a little bit of production, but I agree with you. I don't think I'm going to have him on any of my teams this year, unless my entire, any of the leagues I'm in, everyone decides in unison that they hate him. And he like free falls all the way to like the fifth round or something insane. I am not, I I, I want zero shares of Mike Evans in 2020. And and Matt brings up a really good point. When we're talking about these guys and we're saying we hate them, We hate them to a point. We hate them where they're currently going. But if you can get good value here, Mike Evans is good value. There there comes a point in your draft, and, and every single draft has this. There's a guy that free falls. And there's a point in time where it makes sense to take him. I do think that Mike Evans is a big enough name that somebody who doesn't know what they're doing is going to take Mike Evans as their number one wide receiver way too high because his name is Mike Evans, and he's heard of him before, and he's on the same offense as Tom Brady. That's not the guy I want to be. I I don't want to be that person. I wouldn't take him as my number one wide receiver. And if you did, good luck to you. Amen. All right, let's move on. Who's next on your rankings, Daniel, and where do you have him? All right. Again, I'm biased. I've taken this guy in a lot of drafts. He is an injury risk. I like what his situation is going to be this year. It's Keenan Allen. I like what Keenan Allen brings to the table. Keenan Allen is this guy who does bring in great games for you, but he also can bring in some consistency. The injuries are a concern. The fact that he has a new quarterback this year in Tyrod is going to be concerning a little bit. He's always been used to Phil Rivers. But I believe in Keenan Allen. I think if he's healthy, and he wasn't healthy last year, if he is healthy, he can be that guy for you who can pop and, and give you borderline subsequent top, Top tier wide receiver value. I like Keenan Allen. Wow. Okay. Um, not a fan. No. Uh, no. I was just getting ready to lead with. He, he's. He's. You're not going to hear him on, on my. He's not in my top twenty. Not in um, your top. Okay. All right. You keep going. You tell me why. No, yeah. He's not in my top twenty, and it's primarily due to quarterback play. Like I'm, I'm not. I, I really respect Tyrod. I wish him the best. Um, I hope that the Chargers are okay this year. But I just I just don't see 
uh, a world in which Tyrod Taylor is not one of the 10 worst quarterbacks in the NFL in 2020. But we've seen that over and over again. There's so many guys who have been one of the 10 worst quarterbacks that have found value for their number one wide receiver. And he is clearly the number one wide receiver on his team. Yeah, he's an injury risk, but I think that Keenan Allen can be that safety net for Tyrod. I, I, I still believe in him. I, I'm still here for what Keenan Allen brings to the table. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to politely disagree. I just I have in, insurmountable <laughs> concerns about both that offense and uh, quarterback play. These are, uh, these are fair concerns. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think they're, that – I personally don't feel like Keenan Allen's going to be able to overcome this. Uh, but to be fair to Daniel, I do think we've reached, uh, reached a place in the draft where thing, things start start to become a reach. Like – it's you're, all you're about gonna have your guy yeah, at this point. You're going to have a difference of opinion at this point in the rankings. Um, and uh, we hope that's why you're t- listening into the podcast, because you respect our opinion. You're interested in hearing what we have to say. And we hope that our advice is going to leave some of you fantasy freaks to victory. Uh, with that being said, my number 14 guy, and, and I, I don't uh, – you may – disagree with me just as much as I disagree with Keenan Allen. I've got Odell Beckham Jr. at 14. that's who I got. Yeah, there you go. He was wide receiver 16 in 2018. He was wide receiver 31 in 2019. Uh, Obviously, the Browns replaced their disaster of a head coach in Freddie Kitchens with former Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. I want to draw a parallel to I think Odell Beckham's going to play the Stephon Diggs role in for the Browns offense. I think Stefanski's going to try and run. Obviously, coaches tend to have their their scheme, and they tend to apply the scheme wherever they go, regardless of what players they have. Uh, so I think in the new Browns scheme this year, where you, you can think of Odell playing the Stephon Diggs role, and I think he's going to have a much greater opportunity for explosive plays, which used to be a specialty than he has had uh, in recent years. I will say my last little point before I toss it to you, I do think his ceiling's a little capped because that team is stacked with playmakers. I, I like Nick Chubb. I like what Kareem Hunt showed in the second half of last year. I like Jarvis Landry, even though he's super not sexy, but like you want a safe wide receiver three or a safe flex play, you cannot do much better than Jarvis Landry on your fantasy football team. And obviously they added Austin Hooper. I don't know that Austin Hooper in this offense is going to be the player or put up the production that he did last year with the Falcons, but there's no denying that that he's a, a top level, uh, well, I don't say top level, but he, he's a uh, good NFL tight end. And I think that's more than you could say for the guys that they were trotting out last year uh, in this offense. Odell is somehow better than and worse than what you expect simultaneously. It's crazy. So it's all about expectations, right? He gets drafted as a a top tier wide receiver last year. And you think that that offense is going to be this really magical thing in Cleveland last year. And it's, it's not that. And he doesn't have the great weeks that you want him to have, but his bad weeks actually aren't that bad. And he's much more consistent than you expect him to be. He's actually really consistent for the most part for the year. Um, He had eight quote-unquote bad weeks last year under the way I've looked at this, but three of those weeks were at eight points. And at eight points for a value of a a mid-tier uh, number two wide receiver is it's really not that bad. I think the talent is here. I think he's got top 12 potential. I think that the offense is solid. I think like Matt said, that there's going to be a lot of caps on how good he can be because there's too many people, too many mouths to feed, but it's there. The, uh, the, 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 
the opportunity is there for Odell to be back as a top 10, 12 wide receiver for you. I, I like him. I, I actually think that he's a guy that I might try to target if you can get him because I think there's going to be too much bad blood from him from a year ago. I completely agree with everything you just said, so we're going to move on. Uh, who do you have next on your list, Daniel, uh, and where are they ranked? Because you had Odell at 14, correct? I did have yeah, Odell at 14. I also had Odell at 14. So do you have at 15? All right, so uh, I don't know that I feel great about this. And again, this is this is now a new tier for me. So okay. I, this is a, I had... Uh, Odell and Keenan Allen and, and a lot of these guys in a tier, but this is a new tier down for me where it's just I'm throwing darts. Cortland Sutton is who I've got. Okay. I, I don't know how to feel about this. I, I don't know that anybody does. I think that he started the year really well and then ended so, so poorly last year. And I don't know which player is he. And I know that Gordon and Font are going to be a problem for him. I think that they're going to be taking away some of those passes from him. And I think that consistency can be there, but I don't I don't know what the quarterback situation is looking like for him. I don't know how that's going to impact him over the course of the season. But I think the talent is there. And I like what Corton Sutton brings to the table. And I think that he can be an explosive player. I think he's I think he's solid and he's a guy I believe in more than others. I dislike Cortland Sutton so much this year. He, uh, he is definitely on my busts uh, list that we will discuss later, primarily because of all those wide receivers that the Broncos drafted. They, they put a lot of draft capital into their draft this last year when they signed both Jerry Judy out of Alabama and KJ Hamler out of Penn State, who I both really, really liked uh, as college players. And then additionally, it's kind of like what we were discussing to a a lesser extent with the Packers. The Broncos are a run first team. Um, It's a run first offense. Uh, I agree with you that Drew Locke it does not inspire a lot of confidence. He flashed a little bit at the end of last year, but don't expect him to suddenly turn into uh, some kind of amazing quarterback this year in 2020 so just all those factors combined uh i'm i'm avoiding Cortland sutton and in all of my drafts this year but is there any other any other points in his favor anything that i'm missing no i mean this is this is a bad area i just think that he brought a lot of consistency early on in the season and if he can be closer to the player he was early in the season as he was uh or into the later parts of the season then i i start to believe in him but that's that's really what it boils down to Okay, so for me, the next guy on my list, which is number 15, uh, is a guy who is also one of those guys who just puts up production and does not get a lot of hype. It doesn't get shown on a lot of highlight reels, doesn't have a very sexy name. It's kind of interesting that he's ranked right next to Odell Beckham because Odell Beckham uh, is the complete opposite uh, and gets all the attention and and all the adulation and gets shown on all these highlight reel plays. Uh, But this guy matches him almost exactly production uh, for production, catch for catch. I've got Robert Woods at number 15 for me. That's who I have as well. I, I like Robert Woods. I agree with you. Yeah, he was wide receiver 10 in 2018. Uh, He dipped a bit to wide receiver 22 last year in 2019. But, guys, I I really want to point this out. I think Robert Woods could be the steal of a lot of leagues, the steal of the draft. I'm with you. He's all the way down. His average ADP right now on FantasyPros.com is all the way down at wide receiver 26, which is ludicrous to me. Like, like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't. And it's not like if you look at uh, consensus rankings or you look at other rankings in the fantasy community, other people have him uh, ranked in in line with where we have him. It's not like we're out, out there on some kind of limb. But yet, in all these all these mock drafts, all these drafts that are taking place right now. People are just so, so low on Robert Woods. Please remember, Brandon Cooks got traded. 
Brandon Cooks is no longer with the Los Angeles Rams. So Robert Woods is in line to see significantly more targets this year. He's coming off two consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons, which is pretty impressive. And you've also got a guy who I think, uh, at least for me, is going to come up in my list here not too shortly after on the other side of him, Cooper Cup. So he's not the only show in town. There's another equally talented, equally skilled wide receiver right across the field from him who's, who's also going to garner a lot of respect from NFL defenses. So uh, Robert Woods is not going to be swarmed as the, uh, in my opinion, wide receiver. It's really close between him and Cooper Cup. I have him as the wide receiver one. I know he's technically wide receiver two on the Rams death chart, but I, I don't give a shit about that. He's wide receiver one for me this year. He's the one you want. If, if you are drafting a Rams quarter, a Rams wide receiver, he's the guy that I'm going to be targeting a decent amount. I, I like what he brings to the table. He is always getting you some points. And I think if he can build on his end of the year performance last year, I think that he is being drafted so crazy low. And I think that he provides you real top tier value as a, as a number two wide receiver. I, I like him. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm all in on Robert Woods is a guy that I can try to get and capitalize on because I don't think anybody's going to draft him. Yeah, if, if everybody else wants to sleep on him, I'll snatch him up, lock him into my roster every week and take it to the bank and be thrilled. The last thing I want to note for him is I just think that the Rams hate's gone a little bit too far. Their offensive line was a disaster last year, but but I think they've made some changes. I think they're going to be a little bit better in 22, 20, excuse me, they're going to be better in 2020, be back to not quite the level that they were a couple years ago for the Super Bowl appearance, but I think they're going to be improved from last year and when the offensive line's better then Goff has more time uh, which is going to improve wide receiver production so uh, yeah I'm a little bullish on both the Rams offense and Robert Woods prospects for 2020. Uh, Moving on who do you have next uh, on your list? So this is actually where I start to come back around on wide receivers. I think that a lot of these guys are going to be going late in your drafts and I think that these are guys that if you target them and you can get them at a late value pick you're going to be doing really well for yourselves. So I've got next up on my list Tyler Lockett. I I love what Tyler Lockett brings to the table. He was a really sneaky guy that you could steal as your third wide receiver um, or potentially low, low, low end number two wide receiver if you go running back heavy. And his first nine weeks of last year are great. He has a mid-year injury that definitely holds him back for the rest of the season, and, and it's problematic that he's trying to play through that injury. But he's the number one wide receiver on a great team with a great quarterback that are going to be in a lot of games because their strength of schedule is going to be pretty tough. So I I like what Tyler Lockett brings to the table. Yeah, me too. I've got him at at number 18 in my rankings. He was wide receiver 11 in 2018. He was wide receiver 15 last year in 2019. He ascended to the mantle of wide receiver one for the Seahawks last year with Doug Baldwin's retirement. Uh, He didn't have any issue with that, Uh, took over and became a really solid wide receiver one for the team. He had a career high in receptions at 82 last year and also a career high in receiving yards at 1,057. He appears to have great chemistry with his quarterback, Russell Wilson. Wilson, who is a clear-cut top five quarterback in the entire NFL. The one thing I, I want to caution everyone a little bit on with Tyler Lockett is I do think that the the Seahawks last year did not have a lot uh, behind him and Metcalf. Uh, they did try and remedy that this offseason, and they have added both veteran Greg Olson at tight end uh, as well as Buchanan at slot receiver. So I think they're going to be a little bit more, a few more targets out there. I, I think his target share may decrease a little bit, which is why uh, I have him down at 18 and, and not a little bit higher as like 12 or 13, uh, which maybe his production from last year justifies that kind of ranking. I, I do think his targets are going to go down just because I think there's a few more mouths to feed uh, in Seattle. And, and the one thing to look at, at least for me with Tyler Lockett, if, 
even if his first nine weeks go down, even if they just go down slightly, but the rest of the season goes up, he's going to provide you top 15 value. That's why I like him. I think that he's going to be that guy for you. Yeah, quick quick clarification. I said Philip Buchanan. I meant Philip Dorsett. Sorry, I got my Phillips mixed up there, guys. And then also the other kind of thing that's a little bit of drag on Tyler Lockett is we can't ignore uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, he burst out to a certain level last year. Uh, he projects, uh, assuming he can stay healthy, and that is a huge if, and that's also why you're not going to hear his name on this top 20 list. For me, t- TBD on if he appears for Daniel, uh, he got hurt all the time in college. DK Metcalf did it at Ole Miss. He was constantly hurt. I, I have zero faith that he's going to get through an entire NFL season in 2020 without some kind of nick or knock, so uh, that's going to hold him back from being in my top 20 but he did display the potential and the ability to be a solid NFL wide receiver. Uh, so I think he's going to give push Tyler Lockett a little bit. I think Tyler Lockett's still going to finish his wide receiver one in that offense in 2020, but I do think DK Metcalf is going to push him uh, and may lead to, uh, you know, not, not quite as many catches or targets this year. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think, I think that everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. I think that that's going to be who Tyler Lockett is, is, is this year. And I think that he's going to be solid. I think that that's what you're looking for at this point. Who can help you win the most games? And I think Tyler Lockett is that guy. All right. So moving on, next guy for me uh, is at number 16, another fantasy darling. Not quite. I don't know you're going to make fun of me quite as much as as the Juju Schuster and A.J. Brown pick. But number 16 for me is Calvin Ridley. I do agree with the hype. I do think the hype is real. I do think he is Chris Godwin 2020. He was wide receiver 18 in 2018. He was wide receiver 23 last year. But he was wide receiver 23 and only playing 13 games, which is pretty impressive. Uh, The important thing to note for Calvin Ridley is the Falcons have an astounding 235 targets lost from last year's team when you add up Austin Hooper, Mohamed Sanu, and DeFonta Freeman's targets. That's a lot of targets. Also, I want to point out an interesting stat I saw uh, where Calvin Ridley's target share projects to potentially jump up all the way to 20%. He was only at 15% last year with all those guys on the team, but they're all gone. He scored a really impressive 17 touchdowns in only 29 career games. And this is his third year. Like you talked about earlier that the sophomore slump sometimes hit people at wide receiver. He made it through the sophomore slump unscathed. Uh, I mean, well, I don't know if I should say that because he did drop from 18 to 23, but he still had a pretty impressive sophomore year. And now he's in year three, which is, uh, if you believe in jinxes uh, or curses, the year that traditionally uh, a third-year breakout guy, he's your quintessential third-year breakout guy for me at the wide receiver position in 2020. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, he's the quintessential. I've got him one spot lower, but he's the quintessential breakout guy, right? Like, he is the guy that if you're looking for somebody who is going to be the sleeper candidate for everybody in America, it's going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, Calvin Ridley represents all of those those traits that we look for in sleepers every single year. And he's going to be good. He was good. And if you think that Julio is starting to take a step into aging, then Calvin Ridley is going to fill those spots. I, I like Calvin Ridley. I think that he's going to be good next year. I don't love him. And I think that there are going to be a lot of people who love him. I think there are going to be a lot of people who are going to draft him way too high. Don't be one of those people. Like, don't fall into that. I think he's going to be good, solid. I think that he could be a top 13 value next year, but I think people are going to draft him like he's a top five value. Yeah, the the hype's a little out of control right now because he does have such a a, a 
fantasy ceiling. There is a world in which he finishes as a top 10 guy. I agree with you that I, I don't personally believe that the breakout's going to go to quite that level, that he's going to be quite uh, as prodigious a production level as Chris Godwin last year. But I do think that he is going to be your third-year breakout guy. Unfortunately, that's not an original opinion. Everybody in fantasy uh, has that opinion. He's the guy in your draft um, that everybody's going to be targeting, but no one's going to really talk about and think that nobody else in the room knows about Calvin Ridley. And then when he gets taken around too early, everyone's going to sigh and be like, oh man, like, listen, the secret's out. Everyone knows about Calvin Ridley. He could still be a good pick. If you pick him on your team, I'm not going to begrudge you. Uh, Just, just make sure that, you know, he's, there's not someone else that's in a much higher, clearly in a higher tier. Just, just don't reach too much guys. That's all I ask. The, the breakout is coming, uh, but, but somewhat try and temper expectations. That that's what I ask. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, I'm I'm realizing that I missed a player early, early in my wide receiver rankings, and I I can't believe that we haven't talked about him yet. I, I guess I can't believe that he's not been on your list so far. Okay, well, who, um, who, who am I way down on? I think I think I know who you're going to say. I'm sure you know. Yeah, and he's he's my number one bust. Will not on any draft. Uh, will not draft on any of my team's guy. But go ahead. He's going too high. I understand. I've got him. I've got him. I think it's eleventh right here. I probably would have reevaluated before today. Uh, but it's Allen Robinson. Yep. What are you talking about? Like we're we're talking about low end number twos right now, and we're not even talking about Allen Robinson. I understand. How much worse can his quarterback play be than what Mitch brought to the table last year? What happens if Nick Foles gets that job? What if can Nick Foles help? Can Mitch get better? He's already proven to be a solid contributor despite his circumstances, unlike Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, he was solid last year. He was a good player last year for the most part. There's a reason why he's still being drafted pretty high up. I think he's going as a third-round pick right now. I like Allen Robinson. I think that Allen Robinson is going to be solid. If you can get good value, I wouldn't draft him as my number one. But if I can get him as my number two, I, I feel really great about him. Dude's always hurt. Uh, dude's always hurt. And how many how many weeks last year was he injured? Okay, so he's healthy for one year, and all of a sudden we're gonna. But that's the point is that him like and put him on a pedestal. Way to stay healthy for one year. But that's Allen the whole Robinson. point here. That's you're, crazy. You're so great. You're so great, Al. No, no, I'm not having it. He's less of an injury concern than you think he is. He was injured for zero games last year. That's what Matt's not telling you. Zero games last year was he injured. I think that that matters. I think that that the way the offense runs in Chicago, it runs with him. There is nobody else who is as talented him on the offensive side of the football at any skill position. And I think it's all about Allen Robinson. He's just a victim of circumstance. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you have him ranked where a lot of other people have him ranked. I, I'm way down on way down on him gotcha. than, than than most of the industry, and I'm glad that uh, we got the counterpoint and the counter argument on the pot. I just there are certain guys that are seemingly always injured, and and I just I avoid those guys. It's a recipe for disaster. It's flirting with disaster. You know, it's kind of like Evan Ingram of the Giants mm-hmm. at tight end, yeah. like immensely talented guy. And if he could stay on the field, there's going to be some year where like Allen Robinson, he stays healthy the whole year, and he's going to finish as like tight end two and everyone's gonna be like Evan Ingram Evan Ingram and then he's gonna get hurt like always the following year and miss seven games and burn you so so I get it uh and and if you could project health if we knew health with any level of certainty 
Allen Robinson's a talented guy. You're right. He had terrible quarterback play last year, and he still played through it, which is super commendable. Uh, but he's just too much of an injury risk for me. Uh, and like I was saying earlier, he is my number one uh, avoid at all costs, highest bust risk compared oh, to where compared to where his me. value is. Uh, he will not be on any of my fantasy football teams. I see no scenario in which he falls, and I still feel comfortable taking him because I just I think I think the injury's coming. Bless his heart. I think he's going to miss some games in 2021, and I want none of it. All right, Daniel, let's move on. Who is the next person in your rankings, and where do you have him? All right, this is this is where I've got. He might be too high. I love him. Love him. DJ Chark. Sorry, it's so annoying, but I have to make uh, You the, have, I have to do it. No, I, I love DJ Chark this year. I am targeting him in every single draft that I'm going to be a part of. He had turbulent quarterback play. He, he had Minshew, and then he lost Minshew, and then he had Minshew. And somehow he always find, found a way to be consistent for you. He's going later in drafts than you think he is. I don't think he's getting the love he should get. Could be a solid mid-tier number two wide receiver for you. He actually had, so according to my, if you scored less than 10 points in your week, you were considered a bad week for me. He had seven last year. Two of those were at eight points, and two of them were in the final games that didn't affect you. So he really only actually had three bad games all of last year and one injured game and was the championship week. He's good. He's a good player, and that offense, I think, is going to be better this year. Yeah, yeah, he finished last year at wide receiver 16, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he broke out and established himself as his team's number one wide receiver. It didn't didn't matter who the quarterback was, if it was Nick Foles, if it was Garner Minshew, he still put up consistent production regardless of who his quarterback was, uh, which is definitely a point in his favor. You definitely want guys who are Teflon and quarterback proof. He's also, as we were saying earlier with Kenny Galladay, he proved last year that he is a valuable red zone target. He is going to be the Jaguars, I think, best red zone weapon with all due respect to Mr. Leonard Fournette. The reason why I have him at 20 and I don't have him quite as high as you is I think that he's going to be a little hampered uh, by the quality of his offense. I think the Jaguars offense projects to be below average. I love Gardner Minshew. I picked him up uh, as a emergency player at the very last minute last year uh, but he's not in comparison to his peers going to be in the top half of NFL quarterbacks in 2020 I don't think Um, and then also I think it's important to note that the Jaguars added both Tyler Eifert at tight end and they still have D.D. Westbrook Uh, obviously the D.D. Westbrook uh, hype the D.D. Westbrook sleeper time has passed Uh, he also uh, got injured quite a bit uh, but, you know, they do still have D.D. Westbrook, Chris Conley's out there, and, they, and Leonard Fournette's also bouncing around on that offense. And all those guys are going to receive a certain amount of passing targets. So, so yeah, I, 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 T.J. Shark scoots in at 20 for me. Uh, I, do, uh, I do like what we saw out of him last year. I do think he has a little bit of potential to grow and, and become a better player. I don't think we've seen his peak. But, again, I, I think the Jaguars' offense is going to be a huge hindrance. I think quarterback play is going to be average to mediocre at best. So I think, unfortunately, the breakout is uh, going to be contained, and he can only go so, so high. His, his fantasy ceiling for me uh, is, is at a certain level. I completely disagree. Like, I think that, like, DJ Chark is this guy who had found a way to be consistent. And I look for guys who can be consistent despite their circumstances. And that's why I like a guy like DJ Chark. There is not many people who had as much of a turbulent situation as he did last year. And he was good. And he was good for a lot of weeks for you. 
Um, he's a guy I'm definitely trying to target in as many drafts as I can, and, and I'm going to try and go after him, and I think that you can get him for pretty decent value, and I think the return's going to be great. Okay. Uh, my next guy who's going to be wide receiver 17 in my rankings is Mr. Cooper Cup, who I don't think a lot of people may realize finished all the way up at wide receiver four last year in 2019. Uh, came in with a banner career year, 94 receptions, 1,161 yards, and a whopping 10 touchdowns. A lot of the stuff we talked about with Robert Woods applies for him. I think the Rams' offensive line is going to be better, provide Jared Goff more time to throw the ball. Brandon Cooks got traded, is no longer on the team. There's more targets to go around. And he also has the benefit of having a, a top-level quality wide receiver on the other side of the field in Robert Woods, so he's not going to see a whole bunch of double teams. Uh, I have him a little bit lower than Robert Woods in a direct comparison because he, uh, Cooper Cup runs more slot routes. And also, I think, you, I don't want to step on your toes, but the statistical analysis of Cooper Cup's performance last year, he really struggled. Like, struggled is not a strong enough word. He was hot shit against elite defenses last year. Yeah. Two, two, the two best defenses he played last year, 49ers and Ravens. 17 and 31 yards, respectively, in those two games. So there was just a massive difference in his performance level uh, when you see how he performs against teams with really good defenses as opposed to he feasted on teams that had really, really poor defenses. Um, so, yeah, I've got Cooper Cup at 17 for me. I think he's going to have a good year. I just think uh, being a slot guy, not playing on the, on the outside like Robert Woods does, don't think his statistical and fantasy production is going to be quite high, as high as Robert Woods. But he's still in my top 20. I have him at 17. I mean, he had a good year last year. Like, there's no denying that. He had a good year last year, and I don't see any real reason why it shouldn't be closely mimicking that. Uh, I've got a well, well, obviously, there's going to be touchdown negative touchdown regression. Yeah, he's yeah, not going to have 10 touchdowns. No, no, he's not going to have 10 touchdowns. But I do think that there's some consistency that, can, consistency that can happen for him. And I think that if that offense gets a little better, which it should, I, I don't see how that offense is going to be much worse than what it was. I... I think that he's going to be fine. I think that he's going to be a solid guy for a lot of people that you're going to get pretty decent value of later in your drafts. That I mean, that's what I'm talking about with all these guys that we're going to be talking about right here. I think these are guys that are going to be targeting more than most of these mid-tier wide receiver guys. I'm, I'm not really trying to target, target too many of these Mike Evans, Odell's, uh, Cortland Sutton's as much as I'm going to be trying to target or AJ Brown's I'm going to be trying to target the Robert Woods the Calvin Ridley's the Tyler Lockett's the the DJ Charks these are going to be the guys that I'm going to be trying to go and Cooper Cup fits into that same mold I think that these are going to be the guys that you're going to feel much better about spending those picks on than who you're getting in front of them I agree so who is your uh, next guy on your rankings okay I I understand I know I'm a little embarrassed. I I I know that this is not a great pick. Embarrassed? There's no way it's embarrassing. As long as you're not trying to be a total Chiefs homer and argue Sammy Watkins nah, or something. No, 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 no. Some, not, some not, not even plausible. I'm, there's no reason to be embarrassed. I'm not. I'm not doing that. But I've got T. Y. Hilton. I think T.Y. Hilton is a guy that I I really actually love this year. He's gonna go late. I think people are scared of him. He just has to stay healthy. It is a big if, it, but if he's got he's got a real quarterback now. Sorry, Colts fans. He's got a real quarterback in Phil Rivers. Not that much of a real quarterback because it's Phil Rivers. Phil Rivers at like age sixty-five and fifteen kids. But he's got a good quarterback, a decent quarterback that can throw him the ball. And if he can stay healthy, if he can 
continue to be on the field. I think last year with the with the deflating loss of losing Andrew Luck, I think it mattered. I think that they came into because of what it was like two weeks a week before the season started. They Andrew Luck decides to retire all of a sudden on the team, and I think T.Y. Hilton's just kind of left there being like, uh, okay, what what now? And so. I think that he had to kind of figure some things out a lot, and I think that he had to be kind of evaluating what the what the Colts season was going to be, and I think that he had to kind of pick and choose his spots. But I think that he's going to come into the season a little bit healthier. I think that he's going to come into the season with a little bit more to prove. Um, I like him. I think that he's a guy that I think is going to scare a lot of people away, and I think that you can get him for really good value. And where exactly did you have him ranked? I have him ranked at 20th. There's no reason to be embarrassed at all. I have him at 19. He's the last guy in my – we've talked about he's the last guy on my list that we had to discuss for today. I have him at 19, and I want to echo a lot of the things that you just said. He was wide receiver 15 in 2018, and then last year he only played in 10 games and fell all the way down to wide receiver 58 in 2019. Every single year when I do draft prep, I always look at the list of players at the various positions, and I always find a guy or two who – for various reasons, uh, you know, we already discussed Juju Smith-Schuster, so your starting quarterback got hurt or the guy got injured and missed several games who has had a very significant previous level of production and had an off year. And due to that off year, people just kind of sleep, you know, out of sight, out of mind for, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, if you have a bad year in, in sports, people overlook and forget you. Let's not forget, the Colts have a really, really high-quality offensive line. It's right on par with the teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys. They added uh, Phillip Rivers, who's going to give increased quarterback play, as you already mentioned. T.Y. Hilton's a four-time Pro Bowler. Like, who else in this range of guys that we've been discussing has a track record of performance when healthy at a four-time Pro Bowl level? I mean, Odell Beckham might might be close to that, but, you know, Odell Beckham's a, a couple spots higher, and that's why. But at this level of guy, you know, 1920. Uh, overall wide receiver in your whole draft, four-time Pro Bowler with that level of pass performance. I, I couldn't agree more with, with, with your points and what you said. Uh, I think he's going to bounce back this year. I think he's going to be a, a top 20 guy uh, easily. And my ears perked up, and I was really, really pleased to see that the offensive Colts uh, coordinator gave a quote recently that just said, he said, I expect the 2018 version of T.Y. If T.Y. stays healthy, there's no doubt that that's what we're going to see. He's still the main piece of this offense. T.Y. Hilton is who this pass offense runs through. So when your offensive coordinator is given that quote to the to the media, not even trying to hold his cards, there's just a certain level of of production uh, and and target share that he's going to receive as the number one wide receiver in this offense. Uh, I, I definitely agree he's a bounce-back candidate. I think he's someone that you should target at this level of the draft who's going to go a little bit – going to ultimately rank a little bit higher than, than their average ADP. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say anything more about him. I think that he is going to be a really solid guy for you next year, and I think you're going to be able to get him late. I think too many people have been scared off, and too many people are going to be like, ah, he's an injury guy. And I think that that's what it boils down to. I, I think that you can get him at a really good spot for you that he's going to be able to help your team. And I think there are going to be a lot of weeks where you're going to plug T.Y. Hilton in and you're going to be really happy about it. I agree. Uh, so that's all 20 of my guys. Is there anybody else uh, on your list that we need a guy or two that we did not discuss yet? I mean, there a lot of these guys at this point on, like whether it's your Terry McLarens or 
Jarvis Landry is. I, I think it just kind of depends on what you want. Like, if you want more of a boom-bust candidate, I think Terry McLaren could be that person for you. If you want something more consistent, I think it's Jarvis Landry. Then there's the two injury guys in that. Are you going to try and take a shot on Debo? Are you going to take a shot on Will Fuller? I think it just kind of depends on what you want. But a lot of these guys, they, they have their own issues that I think that you just have to figure out what you are are not wanting on your team. Will Fuller's just hurt me too many times. I mean, that's fair. He's hurt a lot of people too many times. I, he's, in theory, getting healthier, and he's, in theory, uh, going to be back in some fashion. I talk form, myself but- into him every year. Every year, someone flashes the stat, which I don't have. I apologize for how many total touchdowns he's had compared to how many total NFL games he's played. It's amazing. When he plays, he's a tremendous player. But he he's another guy that gets hurt getting off the bus. He's, he's another guy for me that falls into that Evan Ingram category that just I have zero faith that he's going to stay healthy. The poor man just doesn't have great hamstrings. And uh, when he plays, he's amazing. You want to have him on your roster. You want to have him on your team. But there's just going to be a substantial amount of games every year that you have to plan for him being injured. And it just the grief, I've reached a point where the grief and the heartache is not worth it anymore. So I, I don't think uh, I'm going to have it. You know, if, if someone, every year someone takes him too high and then they get frustrated and then they cut him and then I pick him up and he's on my bench. And I, I will happily have him in 2020 if that scenario plays out in my league but if i have to actually draft him to have him on my team i'm not gonna have will fuller on any of my teams this year will fuller is a guy that i don't know you're ever gonna feel good about putting your lineup he's like a guy that is your desperate play that you're just you're facing a really hard matchup or you're there you have no business winning and you're just you've or you had a ton of injuries that week and he's a guy that you could throw in and you just hope that this is the week where he's got two touchdowns at 150 yards and, and whatever it's going to be but who knows how often that's going to happen? Who knows if he can stay healthy? Because there's going to be 10 weeks where he's not healthy. And so it just depends on what happens. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up uh, the ranking segment. Thank you for one. Thank you for listening, guys. I know uh, it's a lot longer. I know that this is the era of short attention spans. But this is the kind of show and this is the kind of podcast I want to have. I want to go deep in depth on these things. I don't just want to give you hot takes. I don't just want to do a surface level opinion. I want you to know that when we do these rankings here on the Fantasy Football Freaks podcast, there's a reason, there's statistics, there's analysis. We've really looked at the situations. We've really analyzed the data points and, and came to these conclusions. And we want you to hear all the reasons for those. So I know, you know, a lot of podcasts try and be as short as possible. And, and the, the R's or this particular ranking segment went a little, went a little long, but I'd, I'd much rather you guys have all the information when making your decisions, uh, then get in a draft scenario where you wish you knew a little bit more about a guy, whether you want to pull the trigger or not, when you got 30 seconds to make a draft decision. So we appreciate your patience and understanding. We are going to move on to our next segment, which is sleepers. Daniel, is there is there a guy or two that you feel just super passionately about? It's okay if we've already discussed them in the ranking segment, but I call them plant your flag guys, that you are willing to step your reputation, uh, your fantasy reputation on the line. You're willing to put your finger on this guy and say, listen, the, the whole community is a little down on him but I really think he's going to exceed expectations I really think he's going to overperform this year it's DJ Chark like it's I I know we have talked about this it's DJ Chark I think DJ Chark is being wildly underrated I think that he's being thrown away because he's on the Jacksonville Jaguars and these these are fair concerns but I think that where he is being drafted right now and what he's going to return to you I love it I, I love every ounce of it now, if you want somebody lower end, if you want somebody who is going to be kind of not drafted very high right now that could have some boom bust potential, I think it's CeeDee Lamb for me. I, I like what CeeDee Lamb brings to the table for, the Dal- for, for Dallas right now. And I think that if, if Amari Cooper 
or uh, Gallup is not going to be able to be consistent for you. I think that he could fit in. That he's got the talent to be able to slide into these uh, to this position and be an elite level wide receiver for me. I like him on that offense, and I think if he can get the opportunity, I don't think he'll let it go. Yeah, I think he's an interesting lottery ticket late round selection. Certainly when you get to the very end of your draft, you want to swing for the fences. You want to pick guys that assuming everything goes in their favor, they greatly exceed expectations. They are proverbially speaking, a lottery ticket. And I can certainly see a world in which uh, CeeDee Lamb could do that. I'm not quite that high on him just because if you look at the statistics, Michael Gallup is actually a, a very underrated this wide receiver. You know, being on a team with with Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, he gets no publicity. You don't really hear about him a lot. But if you actually look into, into the statistics, um, he's for NFL wide receiver two, you know, outside of your teams that are paying the wide receiver two like exorbitant amount of money um, or, or high, high level guys. Uh, Michael Gallup's a really, really good wide receiver, too, for me. So that kind of stymies uh, C.D. Lamb. But, you know, a lot of draft analysts had him as, as the number one wide receiver prospect going into last year's draft. Uh, so th- if all those people are right, he could he could fly by Michael Gallup. He could certainly burst onto the scene. So I like what you're doing there. Kind of the, along the same lines for me, um, I've got uh, – we previously discussed him for a second earlier, Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of the same stuff we said with Juju. They just There was not great quarterback play last year, and even with that being said, he really, really flashed towards the very end of the season. He really started to come on. I only think uh, that that is going to – that trajectory is going to increase with Ben Roethlisberger's addition to the team. I think he's someone that you could target in the later rounds, and you're going to be really happy with what he provides you. Uh, Deontay Johnson is one of my guys I'm, I'm really, really – really bullish on i'm gonna particularly target him in both auction and snake drafts and really hope uh, that i can get him you know around his his normal value and not have to reach for him and, and if i do get him i'm gonna be really really happy i think with with the points that he provides for my team this year my second guy we also talked about him very briefly earlier in the pod and i really hope covid19 doesn't derail this because it's derailed every other part of our lives uh, for the last several months is justin jefferson Justin Jefferson was a first-round draft pick coming out of LSU. Uh, he's a very impressive guy. There's a huge hole to fill there in Minnesota uh, with the Savon Diggs departure. I think hopefully you can just – I think you're going to be able to plug him in and play. Just plug him in and play and go. Uh, I do think, obviously, with missing some time due to uh, illness or being exposed to the illness, he's going to be a little bit behind. No OTAs, no preseason. He's going to have to learn the playbook. But fantasy football is not that difficult in the end, guys. It really comes down to two things. Do you have talent and do you have opportunity? And I look at Justin Jefferson's situation. He's a first-round draft pick. He has an immense amount of talent. And the Vikings are going to extend him a tremendous opportunity to be the starting wide receiver, too, on the other side of Adam Thielen and their offense. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of fantasy goodness, Daniel. I, I mean, I agree. I think that he might be a little too trendy for me, just in terms of, like, I think too many people are going to be targeting him. If you want low, low, these people are going undrafted in most drafts and there's going to be value here. I I think I I really do believe that these are going to be two guys I'm going to try and target at the end of my drafts because I like to have a guy that if I have injuries one week or I have too much stuff to overcome, I can throw these people in and they're going to be fine for me. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you believe in the Arizona Cardinals offense this year? Yes, in a word. So that means... There has to be more wide receivers than DeAndre Hopkins that are going to be valuable and effective. You got to draft one of the Larry Fitzgeralds or Christian Kirks. I think you should. I think that these 
these two guys are gonna have, one of the two is going to have value. And at the end of your draft, if you can get one of these two guys to be on your team sitting on your bench, if you believe that Kyler Murray is a top two, three, four quarterback, then you've got to believe that one of these two people are gonna be valuable for you. And I think that that's how you have to look at it. Yeah. So I, I would be targeting them at the end of my drafts. Yeah, I took a flyer last year on Christian Kirk. Uh, I watched a lot of SEC football. I was really impressed with the talent and uh, skill that he displayed when he was at Texas A&M. He's also one of those guys who was like either number one or number two in his entire high school class coming out of high school at wide receiver just because he had immense physical tools that were undeniable. Um, so I took uh, I took a, a flyer on him last year, and he had some up and down weeks. He struggled with some injury, uh, but I flex played him a couple times, and he was very successful. I uh, had a couple of wins that he really, really – greatly contributed to and I was pretty happy with that so uh, I can co-sign off on that idea of I mean it'd be really nice if we just knew which of those two guys it's going to be but that's you know part of the part of the intrigue is is not knowing and taking a chance on something that may or may not come to pass I mean this is what you need to do at the end of your drafts figure out what offenses you believe in and then try to find the wide receivers on those offenses. This is, I like the Cowboys offenses. That's why I'll try to target CeeDee Lamb toward the end of my draft. I like the Arizona Cardinals offense. That's why I'll try to target Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I like New Orleans and I'll try to target later on in my drafts people for their team. I, you've got to look at those sort of teams and try to figure out who do you believe in. I completely agree other than Sammy Watkins. <laughs> other than Sammy Watkins, sorry. Sorry, Sammy. All right. And I think we would be remiss. Um, we mentioned it earlier, so this is going to be really brief. We would be remiss talking about a sleeper section without listing Calvin Ridley. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah. you're going to hear that everywhere you look. This is not an original thought by us. Um, so I don't want to stress the point too too, too hard. But, uh, yeah, I agree with everyone else's assessment. He's going to take a big leap forward this year. How big a leap, we don't know. Some people are staying all the way as high as top ten. Pump the brakes a little bit on that. Obviously, we discussed my rankings earlier. But I definitely think he qualifies for the sleeper section. Uh, moving on, bus section. Uh, Daniel, uh, we've already kind of discussed my main one earlier, which is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson will not be on any of my teams this year. The risk is far too great for me. Uh, is there one singular guy that uh, you love to hate? That's Mike Evans. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't want any part of Mike Evans on any of my teams. I don't, I, I mean, I get to the point where I, I get really concerned, even if it's later on in my drafts. I don't know that the return is going to be there. I don't think the quarterback play is going to be there for him. I'm, I'm not here for anything with Mike Evans. Uh, I completely agree. Is there anybody else? Um, if you want a high, high end one, I don't think I'm drafting Devonta Adams in any of my drafts. Like, if you want a high end that I think is actually going to be kind of bad, I know we put him really high, but it's just if you're going with projections, you're going to have to look at it like this. But I think Devonta Adams is the guy that I'm really not feeling good about, and I feel worse about it the more I look at it. Um, I, I just I'm really concerned that that offense isn't a throwing offense, and I don't understand how he can sustain himself as a top five wide receiver. Uh, he's a guy I'm really worried about. Like he's he's definitely got a lot of bust potential for me, especially if you're drafting him real high in your drafts. Uh, the last guy for me, or the other guy, I should say, that really really jumps out at me, uh, that just I have a lot of anxiety about the situation, um, and just kind of where his he's being targeted in drafts, the value level, the baseline that's been established for him, it's too rich for my blood, so he will not be on any of my teams this year. Is Stephon Diggs? This is fair. Um, and it all just it all comes down to Josh Allen. I mean, if if you really want to get into it, which we will not, there's a lot 
of high-level analytical stats that pretty definitively prove that Josh Allen is the worst thrower of the football that starts in the NFL. Uh, not great accuracy at all. Um, and Stephon Diggs, in a lot of ways, like Mike Evans, is a deep threat specialist. Uh, he's a little bit better. He's certainly a lot better with yards after the catch, which alleviates some of the concerns with him that I have with Mike Evans. But I just Buffalo loves to run the ball. They're going to continue to run the ball on everyone's throats. And I don't want my top-level wide receiver guy I'm relying on on my team for production every week to be tied to the league's least accurate quarterback. It's that simple. I, I mean, I'm with you. I I like Stephon Diggs maybe a little bit more than that, um, but it's a rough situation for him. I, I don't see how he can provide you the same value that you've been consi- that you've been used to for the last few years. Okay. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our bus section. Uh, moving on quickly, we're going to quickly have Rookie Corner, uh, which is where we discuss uh, the rookie class this year. We've already discussed uh, several of these guys, Daniel. Um, is there anybody that we haven't discussed that, that really jumps out at you, anybody that you are going to be targeting as a final pick or two in your drafts, hoping high-level talent that got them drafted in the first couple of rounds is going to result in immediate returns and they're going to have a surprisingly good first fantasy season? No. I mean, I, I don't know that I like any of them. I, I, I really, I look at the situations other than like CeeDee Lamb. I, I don't know that, and Justin Jefferson, I, I don't know that I really love any of the rest of them. I, I don't know that I believe in the Denver situation to try and pick Judy. I, I don't know that I believe in the Pittsburgh situation to get Pittman. I, I don't know that I, I believe in most of these situations. So I'm I'm not usually picking the, the rookie wide receivers, and maybe that's a mistake, but... I, I really am not loving any of them this year. Yeah, I haven't really made my mind up, to be honest with you guys. I haven't made my mind up about Henry Ruggs in Oakland. Uh, you know, as a very last draft pick of the draft, he, he might be someone um, that I, I decide to target at the very end. Uh, he just He's a big play guy. Obviously, his quarterback is not great at throwing the ball down the field. And when you're the big play guy who is trying to catch bombs, it would you know be advantageous if your quarterback excels at throwing the ball down the field, which Derek Carr does not. Uh, but, you know, he is a big play guy, you know, which was why he was such a high draft pick. He's electric with the ball in his hands. You think that Gruden might try and manufacture some ways, whether that be gadget plays or trick plays or just try and manufacture touches, try and get him the ball, even if it doesn't involve Derek Carr's participation very much. Just get him the ball in space and see what he does. Because if you watched him at any point in Alabama, he he was certainly one of the most electric players and one of the the premier uh, return men that college football seen in a couple years. Uh, obviously, you need someone who's a little bit consistent week in and week out, which is why he may ultimately uh, fall fall down and, and not be someone you can roster on your team. But as far as someone that you take as the very last pick on your bench, just as a wait and see, this might in some world just be a stab in the dark that crumps to fruition. I'm evaluating Henry Ruggs. He's he's a maybe for me. Uh, I'm, the highest of all of them is, is Jefferson, which we've already discussed, even higher than CeeDee Lamb for me. Again, assuming that he gets past this health scare and it's not uh, a long-term situation. I agree with your assessment uh, for K.J. Hamler. And Jerry Judy, that the Broncos are a run first team. Drew Locke doesn't really excite me at any level. And I really like Jerry Judy's talent. I just don't know that it's going to happen in year one. I think if, that situation. Yeah, is just he might really be some guy rough. that in year three or four just out of, really, really comes on and ultimately has a good career. But in year one, I don't know that I want to invest uh, in that situation. 
Higgins for the Bengals is is buried on the depth chart. The Bengals for a team with a not great record have a surprisingly good level of skill position players. AJ Green signed his franchise tag. We're going to see after two years in the wilderness if he actually suits up and actually plays the majority of games this year. But even if he doesn't, they still have uh, Ross on that team. They've still got both of the running backs and, and Mixon and Giovanni uh, Bernard on that team. They've still got Boyd, which I'm sure someone's screaming at the podcast for me not mentioning, uh, who's been the most consistent fantasy uh, producer on that team for the last couple of years. There's just a lot of guys to feed on that team. And, and unfortunately, uh, Mr. Higgins is going to be well down the death chart. Uh, and, and I just don't think going to get uh, enough production or see enough targets to warrant being rosterable this year. The one guy I want to point out, though, in this section, Daniel, I don't know that I'm going to draft him, but I'm going to be monitoring and scouting him in weeks one, two, and three for sure is Mr. Chenault in the Jaguars. Because I think that there's some opportunity there. Uh, I, I don't love Conley. I don't love C.D. Westbrook. I think that Chenault could potentially uh, come out of nowhere uh, and get some touches and, and be a valuable producer on that team. Um, so he's someone that I guess I would say that I'm not going to draft, but I am going to scout and see if he gets any touches, if he does anything in the first couple of weeks. And if perchance he does pop and have a big week out of nowhere, I'm going to definitely try and get that waiver claim in and claim him uh, it, You know, if that comes to pass. He's definitely got to keep your eye on. And especially if, I mean, Garb issue, like his rise and fall and re-rise was one of the more wild things of last NFL season. Um, there's potential there. And and I'm with you. I don't I don't really love DD Westbrook. I, I don't really have much thoughts or many thoughts about Conley. Um who knows? Chanel's got a great name. I mean like I, I think that like who knows if he's gonna be good or not. I, I love rooting for people that have great names. Um I don't even know how to say it's LaVisca is this right? I mean, I love it. Like LaVisca Schnault, great name. Um, I'm, I'm all in on trying to figure out if we can get people like this in there on situations that with somebody like Gardner Mishu, like he's going to be able to throw the ball a decent amount. And and I don't think they really care about giving Leonard Fournette the ball anymore. I don't, I don't really feel like that's going to be, they tried plan. to train him all off season. Uh, so if he gets to have the ball in his hands, the way he was early in last season, I, I think that bodes well for another wide receiver other than Chark to be able to, make some things happen. So I think that's not a fair, uh, it's not a bad call. Yeah. The, looking over some draft results, that's really it for me. I, I don't, I don't really Rager, Iuke, Mims. I'm not, you know, obviously people get drafted and people get drafted in the first three rounds for a reason. Um, you should know the names of the skill position players who go in, in rounds one and two. Typically, if you want to put in the time, you should look and see at, at their performance. You should look and, and try and get, um, which obviously we don't have a preseason, so it makes it a lot harder this year, but you should look into media reports of training camp and if anybody's promising or if anybody's doing really, really well in a typical year. Uh, but where we're at so far this year, yeah, Justin Jefferson's the big guy for me uh, that I've really, really got my eye on. And, and TBD on Chenault uh, and Henry Ruggs. I think that's about going to wrap it up for us, Daniel. I, I do. Um, this is the Fantasy Football Freaks podcast. This podcast does exist for the sole reason of creating a community for people who absolutely adore fantasy football, who sometimes maybe even, dare I say, take it a little far, although I, I, I push back against that. I don't know that you can take fantasy football too far. I don't know that you can be too passionate about it. We're all about the true fantasy freaks here. And with that in mind, I was wondering, do, do you have uh, any, any funny story you want to tell us about a time that uh, fantasy football 
football pushed you uh, to do something a little hilarious or uh, caused you to, to miss an event or a function uh, or caused you to behave in such a way that you look back on now um, and, and can just kind of have a wry smile or a laugh. Uh, fantasy football has a way of, of really pushing those of us who are super passionate about it to cross the line occasionally. I have certainly, uh, in our introductory episode, gave you all some of my stories about why I feel like I'm a fantasy freak and some of the embarrassing shit that I've done that fantasy football, just caring about it so much has pushed me to, to not have some great uh, manners in public and to, to do some things and say some things that I later regret and embarrass some people around me. Do you, do you have any story that this is this is what we do on this podcast? When we have people come on, we, we love their input, but kind of uh, a little bit of hazing, a little bit of introductory to being on the show. We like to end with a, with a, a funny story about something that fantasy football has made you done or drove you crazy uh, to the point of of uh, being a little being a little out there uh, I mean I've got a bunch but the one that comes to mind is I think it was two or three years ago it's opening day of the NFL season and I'm so excited and I know because on Sundays especially in that fall period of time my wife has soccer on Sundays and for whatever reason on this particular Sunday my wife very much wanted me to be in attendance for her soccer game. And I was like, you know what, it's fine. I'll be, I'm, I'm really just gonna be checking out my fantasy scores anyway. I don't necessarily need to watch the games because who cares about the games? We care about fantasy. Um, and I, I got my little like soccer chair out there and I'm just sitting out there and I've got my phone, it's all charged, it's ready to go. And I pull up the app to look at my first score of the day and the app is dead. And the app, I try to refresh. I tried to refresh, I tried to close it down, I tried to delete it, and I redownloaded it. I go on Twitter, app is down. Week one of the NFL season, ESPN's app is down. That's such bullshit. And it's it's and it happens every single year. So I'm sitting there in my soccer chair while my wife is playing and all the people are kind of rooting and cheering. And I'm sitting there in my soccer chair and I'm just screaming, just expert, just like motherfucker. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this thing? And I'm getting so mad. And I'll, I mean, I, I, I got a lot of stares. I got very embarrassed. And I just kind of sat there and I just kind of put my hands in, on my head. And then I had to uh, look at my fantasy scores later in the day like a normal human being on any other day in their life. And it was so, so frustrating. Did uh, Do you remember if you won your week one matchup or not after all that? I did win my week one matchup. I didn't get to know about it until 7 o'clock uh, because the ESPN app, not just the fantasy, but the ESPN app wouldn't let you check like what the score. Because I was going to calculate my own scores. I was just going to look up the random box scores of the game. Couldn't look that up either. All of them were down at the period of time, and I'm, I'm over here just like – uh, like a drug addict, just like on my phone, just like typing in things. I got the shakes because I don't, ha- I don't have my fantasy news. Uh, it wasn't great. It was not my finest hour or moment. But uh, it's fantasy football. I don't think any of us are at our finest hour or moment during the, se- the fantasy football seasons. And my last question about this is, <laughs> and I appreciate your honesty. No, it's fair. Uh, did anyone tattle to your wife about your behavior? <laughs> no, I did. I, I was very because con- she knew that I was going to be playing on my phone that day, and I was like, the app doesn't freaking work. And she's just like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, and she just kind of moves on about her day, and I'm just, I'm so mad, and I'm just, I'm kind of turning red. I'm getting a little flustered, like I am right now, because I'm still thinking about it 
but I, I'm not somebody who can really hide these things from my wife very well. So uh, I was definitely the one who tattled, being very, very concerned. I was like, I can't believe this isn't working. Fantasy football, man, it's, it's why we play. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. This is another episode of the Fantasy Football Freaks. I want to thank Daniel for his time and contribution to this episode. Definitely don't think this is the last that we will hear from him. We'll check in at some point this season to see uh, how his teams are doing, see how our advice panned and did not pan out, and look back uh, and probably rip each other a little bit about what we put out there publicly uh, as our opinions, see how correct that we are. Uh, Guys, as always, really appreciate your time and uh, energy listening to the pod. Please subscribe, tell all your friends about the show. We're building a community here, uh, just a place, no judgment, judgment free. People who really love fantasy football, that are fantasy football freaks, it dominates your life. Uh, Look forward to uh, next week's episode. Uh, Thank you for your time, and everyone try and stay healthy and coronavirus free. Good night.